I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It was literally a perfect weekend. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Chris Traeger. No, no, that's not right. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. And literally a perfect weekend for Pitt sports. And we're going to be talking about all of it. So if you're a Pitt fan, this is going to be an episode that you will absolutely want to listen to because normally there's a lot of uh, pessimism out there. There's a lot of coulda, woulda, shoulda. This is going to be an episode that is positive. And it's positive because every single Pitt team that played this weekend took care of business which does not happen often, so when it does, we're going to treat it with honor. We're going to start with football. Later in the episode, we'll get to men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball, and even pit basketball, but men's, or not men's, football kicked off the week with a big win on Friday. Last week on the pod, I said this game would be the most important game of the season for the Panthers, and I believe it was. Now, it was an ugly game, and you might not expect that the most important game of the season would come from a team not in the Coastal, because even though this game wildly affects the Panthers, it doesn't really affect their opponent. But to me, this was the turning point. And if they lost this game, you're out of the Coastal race. That's it. By winning this game, doesn't mean that everything's set. You still have a lot of work to do, but they are firmly in the Coastal race. And because this game was so important, I think that made a lot of people nervous. And massive, massive credit to Pat Narduzzi and this entire administration, the coaches, the players, the staff, everything, for going out and getting this win. It wasn't pretty. There were some ugly parts to it. It wasn't dominant. They won 27-20, although they, it was a little bit more comfortable than that. But they got the win. And that's something the previous pit teams couldn't say. Even the beloved uh, Dave Wanstad, everyone knows the Cincinnati game. I mean, they would quote-unquote pit in these big games, in these games that really mattered. And then certainly Paul Chris, that was, I mean, he took it to an art form. Hell, he did it this weekend with Wisconsin. The, the Badgers are rolling, they're having a great season, they're undefeated, they can make the playoff, and then they lose to Illinois. And at Pitt, that would absolutely be expected. And so for Syracuse, having a down year, winless in the ACC, losing to the Orange sounds like something that Pitt would do. That would be pitting. And major credit to Pat Narduzzi. They just haven't done that. And yeah, there have been disappointments. And yeah, there have been times that you want to pull your hair out. And if you go back and listen to the episode after Penn State, you will know that I was livid with his decision. But in this instance, at a a game that every other Pitt coach would have blown it. They didn't. And every other Pitt team, it seems, would have blown it. And they didn't. And since Pat Narduzzi's gotten here, when they've had these big games, they find ways to win them. And you've got to give them a ton of credit for that. Because, yeah, they're ugly games. Yeah, they're close games. Yeah, there are some decisions that you don't understand and that are very frustrating. But they find the way to win. 
They beat Clemson a couple years ago. They beat Miami. They beat Penn State. They're, they're winning the games they should this year. Just looking at conference play, right now, Pitt is in the ACC just a tiny bit behind Florida State since the Panthers moved into the conference. So right now, if you look at it, you've got Clemson dominating, no doubt about it. But you've got Florida State at 27 and 18 in the conference, Pitt at 26 and 17 in the conference, and then Miami uh, just a little bit behind at uh, 25 and 19 in the conference, and then Louisville, Virginia Tech, all that. It wouldn't seem it, but the Panthers have been one of the best teams since they entered the ACC. And in fact, they've been the best team in the Coastal since they've entered the ACC. That's incredible. And again, I I think if scheduling was a little bit different, if a couple things go the other way, then Pat Narduzzi has lifetime job security. I mean, it's there's not even a question about it. If they beat Penn State this year, if they don't schedule so hard over the last couple seasons. You don't have Penn State and Notre Dame and Oklahoma State or and UCF last year. Then this team maybe gets to nine wins or has a better year. And then you look at the ACC schedule and it actually feels like the team has been that good. This team has been excellent since they've gotten to conference. Now, they haven't been Clemson. But again, you talk about Florida State, and yeah, they've been hurting a little bit this year, and to some extent last year. But Florida State was the dominant program. Before Clemson came up a couple years ago, Florida State was the dominant program. And since 2014, and again, Florida State won a national championship in that period, Pitt has been essentially as good in the conference as the Seminoles have. And when you just think about that, it's pretty sensational what they've been able to do and how much they've been able to accomplish. And I know we focus on the tough things, and, and we'll continue to focus on the down things, because that's that's what we do. But if you just take a step back and think about it, the fact that Pitt has won this many games in the ACC, that they have been one of the winningest teams in the conference since they joined, and that this weekend, at a game that was really make or break for if their season was going to be a hunt for an ACC Coastal title or if it was just going to be a a mediocre season. They went out there and they did what needed to be done. And a lot of other coaches wouldn't do that. They would have pitted. And so major credit to this team, to to the staff, the coaches, everything, because they have done what other uh, pit teams couldn't do or wouldn't do. And with the Panthers now being here, being 5-2 and two, and 2-1 two and one in the conference with the only loss coming week one to Virginia. And by the way, I think if they play now, Pitt probably beats Virginia. But okay, with what they've been able to do, you've got to give a ton of credit to them. So let's talk about the game specifically. First of all, the refs. I don't like to get on refs. It's a tough job. I couldn't do it. And I, I certainly don't think that there's any bias in one way or the other, so I never say, oh, they they hate Pitt or this. It's not that. But these refs were bad. And I'm always careful to say that because everyone's got a job and everyone tries their job. But these refs were bad. The announcer said it. I think Pitt fans, Syracuse fans, everyone believed that these refs were bad. And for good reason. It looked like it was their first game. 
There were times where they didn't know what down it was, where they needed to go to replay to figure it out, where they just made blatantly wrong calls, like a Syracuse player they said got out of bounds, even when from every angle he was clearly inbounds and the clock should have uh, kept running. Pitt's touchdown on the trick play was initially taken away because they thought it was a forward, an illegal forward pass. It wasn't. It was very clear that it wasn't, and they needed to go to replay for that. There were so many times where you just looked at it, and it was really embarrassing for the conference, which is a shame. And I, whatever it takes, I hope either these refs get better or they move to something else. The refs were bad in this game, and it affected Pitt. It was tough. There were a couple times where Syracuse uh, got a couple calls to go the other way. But for the most part, I mean, these refs were bad across the board, and that really hurt Pitt in a lot of ways. The massive, massive, the takedown, the WWE takedown that was called for a personal foul, that was absurd. That was absolutely absurd that they uh, threw a flag on that. And But Pitt was able to get past that. They didn't let it get to their heads. They didn't let it bother them. And they were able to move past it and win despite the poor officiating. And that's something that you want to see. You want to see a team have discipline even when calls don't go their way, even when there are some massive head scratchers. The team had discipline, and that's something that's very important to see for a team, especially with a coaching staff that at this point is pretty experienced. So on the defensive end, this pit team is stellar. This is a Pat Narduzzi defense that we were all promised, and it has arrived. There were signs of it last year, but it is in full form this year. It's without its best player, and they have stepped it up and been phenomenal, especially, especially the defensive line and the, 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 the rush in general. They have been incredible. They had nine, count them nine. Can we get, uh, can we get Herman Cain on this? No, no, no. The producer's saying no. We can't get Herman Cain, but they had nine. Can we get the producer from Ferris Bueller? No, okay, we can't get that. They had nine sacks in this game, folks. Nine sacks in this game. That is sensational that they're able to do that. Clemson put up eight sacks when they played Syracuse. Pitt put up nine. That's more than some teams have all season. I mean, this is absolutely incredible what they were able to do in this game. And every time it seemed like Syracuse might be getting a little bit of life in the second half when Pitt's offense was slow, the Pitt defense stepped up big time and they shut down the Syracuse offense in an instant. And now Syracuse, they, they didn't have their starting quarterback, Tommy DeVito, for a lot of the game. But even when he was in there, he he did not have a good game. Pitt shut him down. In fact, their backup quarterback, Clayton Welch, he had a better game than their starter. But regardless of which quarterback it was, Pitt's defense was great. Now, there were a couple mistakes. I should say the, the rush, the defensive line, they were about as perfect as you can be. They had a phenomenal game. The other part of the defense that's exciting if you're a Pitt fan is the Stars have looked like stars. DeMar Hamlin had another big game. He had eight tackles leading the team in this one. Paris Ford only played a half because of the targeting call in the in the previous game against Duke. Paris Ford in a half had six tackles. And those two guys who when they were when they signed with Pitt, when they announced they'd come to Pitt and they were prize recruits, everyone thought, yeah, those guys they're going to be playing on Sundays. And for a little bit, Paris Ford last year, DeMar Hamlin, we weren't quite sure 
what they were really going to be, if they were really going to step it up and be these star players. They, you know, you figure they might be, they'll be good. It's tough when, it's rare that you see a star recruit just not produce. So you figure, okay, they'll be good, but not all they're cracked up to be. No, no, no. These guys are turning into absolute star players, and there will be no doubt that we'll see them playing on Sundays. So the defense was was good. They, I mean, they, they did enough. And they put the team in the game. They had another really good game. The offense, though, we've got to talk about the offense. The offense continues to struggle. Now, it's not the play calling like last year. I do think that Mark Whipple is a good offensive coordinator. I think it was a good hire. And I think Kenny Pickett is a pretty good quarterback. He had a solid game, 18 for 33, 232 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. A couple of those incompletions were because of some drop passes. But I think he had a good game, and I think he's a good quarterback. The problem is, in my opinion... What happened to the running game? I mean, this was a team on defense. They're going to be tough up front. And on offense, they were going to run the ball down your throat. That was the character. That's what they started doing last year. They established that was the character of this team. That's what was said was going to happen this year. And they haven't done it. And so in many ways, what Kenny Pickett's been able to do is impressive because we thought, okay, he just needs to be a quarterback good enough to lead a run-first offense. But he's had to carry the team. He He did it against Duke. He didn't do it as much to the same extent in this game, but he still had to do a lot because the running game, again, was for the most part non-existent. Now, there was one exception. In this game, A.J. Davis came up big. He had 16 carries, 103 yards, and a touchdown. So he had a, a very good game. He had his first really big game, and that's promising to see. But Vincent Davis, a lot of us thought he might be the most talented guy on this team. He hasn't done anything. He had eight carries for 16 yards, it just hasn't looked good. Valique Carter, six carries, 30 yards. He was always sort of like a super weapon. He was never the, the, the every single down kind of running back. But even there, he in that role, he still doesn't look great. And then Todd Sibley, I think he's got a lot there, but he just doesn't get on the field much. He only had two carries, and they were for three yards. And so at the beginning of the season, I think we all thought there were these four running backs and they were all good and they would all compete for playing time and they could all be counted on in in certain situations. And as the season goes on, things are getting a little bit concerning in that you have to worry, are any of these guys really legit running backs that you can count on? Right now, it looks like it's maybe one. And I I would say that's A.J. Davis. I think Valik Carter, there's just no way that that you can count on him to be that, maybe in a couple situations, but I don't think it's there. Todd Sibley, again, you think that he's got something, but we just haven't seen it. And outside of the the one sort of dud game when it was the only thing going right, but we just haven't seen it. And so you can't really count him, I don't think. And Vincent Davis, again, he's got a lot of talent. He's young, he's promising, but he hasn't looked all that good lately. And so... When we all thought, oh, maybe there are four running backs who are all going to be really good, now it's looking like it's one. And even A.J. Davis hasn't been great. He was he was good in this game, and he's been good in some others. But even that, it's not a bona fide uh, star running back. It's not Quadri Olison or Darren Hall from last year. It's not James Conner. It, no one's really hit that level. And to me, that's concerning. Because if you can't establish the running game, everything blows up. And... 
it puts a lot of pressure on Kenny Pickett. And he's already got a lot of pressure on him because the offensive line is still struggling. And that's another concern with this offense. And so between the offensive line not doing well, still, again, the running backs taking a big downgrade from last year, there are some problems with this team. And the tight ends have not had a good season. You've got a couple of them. Nakia Griffin-Stewart, Will Gregg. Neither one looked good. There are drop passes. There are bad routes. It just, the tight ends, you've got these two guys, and neither one has taken the starting job. In fact, both look like they are offering the starting job to the other guy, and the other guy won't take it because both have been pretty unimpressive. And on top of all of that, in the second half, they still continue to struggle mightily. In the second half this season combined, they've been outscored 103-41. to That's bad. That's really bad. And if that continues, they are not going to be able to hold up in a future game, in a really tough game, maybe this weekend against Miami. That is an alarming statistic. But with all that, with a poor offensive line, with tight ends who drop passes, with a running game that can't get going, with second halves that look abysmal, they still won. And they're still 5-2. and two. They're 5-2 and two and they've only outscored their opponents combined 156-155. to 155. They have not been dominating this year. And yet they find wins. Other pit coaches, other pit teams, if you told me that at this point in the season they've outscored their opponents 156-155, to 155, what's their record? after seven games, I would probably say three and four. Uh, th- that seems about right to me. About three wins, if that's what they've got. At best, four and four, but probably not. Probably three wins, maybe even two wins, because Pitt would always find ways to lose close games. And now Pitt is finding ways to win close games. And that's a really exciting thing if you're a Panthers fan, because even how ugly these games are and, and all that, They're finding ways to win, and ultimately, that's what you have to do. You're not going to have the most talent, and there are going to be mistakes, but if you find ways to win, that's, that's the most important thing, and they've been able to do it. And so even with all those problems, they've been able to win. They're at five and two, and they've got a really, really interesting game coming up this weekend. We'll talk about it all in just a moment. First, a word from our new sponsor. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back. Now, before we talk about this weekend, I just want to hit on one thing. We have reached full coastal chaos, folks, and we are barely halfway through the season. Now, when I say coastal chaos, I believe this has happened once before, but I think it took to the end of the year. Every team in the coastal has already beaten the other t- another team, and it can go around in a circle. So Virginia has beaten Pitt. Pitt has beaten Duke. Duke has beaten Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has beaten UNC. UNC has beaten Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has beaten Miami. Miami has beaten Virginia. And the circle goes on. 
We're seven weeks in. The Coastal is wide open. It is absolutely insane. Yet again, it always seems to be. But it is wide open. And that puts Pitt at a, in a massive, massive situation where they can do so much at this point in the season. Now, they've played one fewer game than most teams, so it's still a little bit tough to tell. And this weekend is going to be the big one. In fact, they've played one fewer game than all the other teams in the Coastal. So this weekend is really going to be a huge measuring stick. They're playing Miami. It's homecoming. It should be a good crowd, even though it's at noon. But they've got a huge opportunity to, again, assert their dominance in the Coastal. Now, no matter what happens, they're going to need Virginia to lose a game. Because as of now, Pitt is 2-1, and one, UVA is 3-1. and one. Even if when UVA has the bye and Pitt catches up and they're at the, the same record, they both have one loss, Virginia has the tiebreaker. So Pitt needs to have a clear game ahead, a game advantage over Virginia. Because if it's a tiebreaker, the Panthers don't come out on top. So it's not entirely in there. The ball's not entirely in their court. They're going to need Virginia to lose one more ACC game. But that certainly seems possible. They've got a few to go. They're at Louisville this weekend. That's going to be a little bit of a tough game. They're at UNC. That's going to be tricky. At home against Georgia Tech, that should be an easy win. And then to close out the season, they host Virginia Tech. Team that's just okay, but certainly good enough that they could beat Virginia. And so with all that being said, Pitt at this point has to go out and pretty much win out. They've already lost one game, and again, if they lose two, that's it would still be a good season. But if you want to win the Coastal, and, and again, that would be over Virginia, and it doesn't look like Virginia is going to lose two more games, you, have to, you, you cannot lose more than one when it's against Virginia. So you pretty much have to win out. It is a tough ask. It is a tall order. I get it, and I don't think Pitt is going to win the Coastal. I think there's a good chance maybe they tie with Virginia. I think what's most likely is they probably both have two losses and uh, and the Hoos get in with the tiebreaker. But if you want a chance at this, or I should say a good chance, you've got to win out. Because I think Virginia loses one more game, but then you can't afford to because I do not think Virginia is going to lose two, which means you have to beat Miami, you have to beat Georgia Tech, you have to beat North Carolina, you have to beat Virginia Tech, and you have to beat Boston College. That is not easy, but it's going to start this weekend. Because you've got Miami, a team that is incredibly talented. I would say more talented than the Panthers. But the Hurricanes are not having a good season. They're 1-3 in the conference, 3-4 and four overall. And they've lost to teams that they are more talented than. Just this weekend, they lost to Georgia Tech, the worst team in the division, in overtime. But still, that is... that's bad. And so it's, it's clear that Miami can lose to teams that they are more talented than. But they can also beat teams that are favored. They beat Virginia when Virginia was ranked 20th by a score of 17-9. to 9. Now, it'll help that Pitt will be at home because that uh, Miami win over Virginia, that was down in South Florida. But, yeah, this, this is an interesting situation. If Pitt loses this game, I still think it could be a good season. I think they get seven wins, maybe even eight wins, and, and they have a really a good year. But I just don't think you win the Coastal if you lose another ACC game. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe UVA, the bottom falls out. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. And because of the tiebreaker, if you want a good chance, you can't afford to lose a game. 
This one to me is an absolute toss-up. It's 50-50 because last two weeks we saw a completely different Miami team, both at home, so I don't even know how, how much that affects things. But they go out and they beat Virginia, a team that Pitt couldn't really hang with, and a team that looks like it's going to win uh, the Coastal and make it to the ACC Championship. But then they lost in overtime to Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech is bad this year. They've got a new coach. They're completely transforming their system. They are bad. And so when you look at all of that, yeah, I just, to me, this is 50-50 because you have no idea what Miami you're going to get. Meanwhile, the old Pitt thing is you don't know what Pitt you're going to get. Pitt is going to play great one weekend and then poorly the other weekend. Well, he certainly didn't play great against Syracuse. They got enough for the win. So I don't know how that will affect them. And I don't even know if this pit is like former iterations of pit where that's the case. This team has looked relatively consistent this year, which is kind of odd. They've looked really good on defense, really poor on, or I should say mediocre on offense, but pretty much the same week in and week out. Outside of the Virginia game, all the games have been close. All the games have been kind of ugly. Ohio, they got 20 to 10 win, but it was still kind of ugly. Penn State, 17 to 10, still kind of ugly. Defense played great, offense still pretty ugly. UCF, again, now in this case the offense was better, still a close, tough win. Delaware, ugly game, they got the win. Duke, really ugly game, almost a, a full-on collapse, but they got the win. At Syracuse, ugly game, they got the win. And so... I, it's it's tough. I don't know what the prediction is for this weekend. I know it'll probably be a sloppy game. I know it'll probably be close. I don't really know who comes out on top, but I know if Pitt wants to win the Coastal, I think they have to win this game. They could still have a good season if they lose this game, but if they want to win the Coastal, I think this is a must win. So before uh, we, we name a Panther of the Week, got to wrap things around and talk about Everything else that happened this weekend in Pitt sports, because it was really an exceptional weekend. I said at the top, it was a perfect weekend. We'll start with Pitt Volleyball. Pitt Volleyball is so good, it is scary. This team is phenomenal. You have to watch them. I watched them uh, on, on Sunday afternoon. They demolished NC State. I don't know how long the match lasted, but it was like blink and you miss it. Because they went out there, they won in three straight sets, and none of the sets were close. They just absolutely dominate teams. They are third in the country still, and this team can really do something special. The fact that there could be a national championship, not an ACC championship, because that is is absolutely going to be pits this year because they've just been dominating, and, and no one else in the conference is even close. But a national championship for the Panthers, that's unheard of. I don't care what sport it is. That's been unheard of since... Jamie Dixon and Dewan Blair back in 2009. And they've got a real chance to win it. So absolutely, I, I mentioned it last week, if you haven't hopped aboard the bandwagon, do it now. Volleyball's a great sport, and this pit team is so much fun to watch because they are dominant. And if they win straight sets, it doesn't take up that much of your time. Match is over in like 45 minutes. Okay, on to soccer. Men's and women's. We'll start with men's. Jay Vitovich is the guy. I am 100% certain that if any coach is going to bring Pittman soccer to greatness, it is Jay Vitovich. He's been here for a little while, slowly but surely building up this program. And this weekend, they were on the road against the best team in the nation, number one ranked Virginia, and the Panthers won 2-0. That is gigantic. UVA hadn't lost a game the entire season, and Pitt win went in there and beat them easily. 
they controlled that game, and the Panthers got the win. Pittman soccer, at this point, has shown that they can beat any team. And they haven't been the most consistent team, but they've got talent, they've got a lot of determination, and they can go out, and you cannot count them out of any single game they play because they just took down the number one team in the country on the road by a score of 2-0. So Pittman soccer, they're having a good run. Jay Vitovich, I have no doubt, is going to be the guy for Pitt soccer because they, they've put themselves in a great position. Pitt women's soccer. They got their second win of the season. Now, certainly not where volleyball is, not even where men's soccer is, but if you look at the program, this is a program that had bottomed out. Things were looking really ugly. And Heather like brought in a new coach, Randy, Randy Waldrum, who was formerly with the Houston Dash of the NWSL. And by the way, NWSL uh, championship coming up on Sunday on ESPN. It's a great league. Championship game should be exciting. So uh, a plug for that. I've got no controlling interest or any stakes in it, but it's just going to be great TV. But they got Randy Waldrum from the NWSL, and they now have their second win. They didn't win at all last year. And he has turned this team around. And this is a team that fights. And the talent isn't quite there yet, but this team is growing. This team, again, they've got that grit. They they find ways to win games, even when they're not necessarily the better team. And now they have their second win of the season. That is big. And Randy Waldrum is legit. I said it on Twitter. This guy is legit. And I, I think it's a smaller sample size, but I absolutely think Pittman women's soccer is going to turn this around. It'll be under and because of Randy Waldrum. I think he's a really good coach, and I think he's doing everything right so far. And you can see the trajectory with Pitt women's soccer, and it's heading in a really exciting direction. And then finally, basketball. It's not even basketball season yet, though it will be soon. And we'll be talking about that plenty. But they landed a big-time recruit, John Hughley. He's a big man. He's a four-star athlete, and he committed to Pitt. And that's a really exciting thing. Because not just last year under Capel, but under Stallings and even under Dixon after Steven Adams left in 2013, I believe, this team has not had a legitimate big man. They have not had someone who can go in there and bully things. Steven Adams could do it. Maybe not as much as we thought or as we wanted or as he's done in the NBA, but he could do it. He was very, very good. Dewan Blair could do it. Even Talib Zana, I guess maybe he was just uh, after... Steven Adams. Even he had it to some extent. But then it got bad. There was nobody. And now you land a four-star big man? That is huge news for Jeff Capel. On the recruiting trail, trail, he has been doing everything right. There have been a couple misses, but for where Pitt is, they're in a good spot. They had a secret scrimmage with Maryland, and apparently Pitt lost by less than 10 points. Maryland's going to be one of the better teams in the country this year. That is optimistic and uh, an optimistic scrimmage for Pitt, and it just is all shaping up to be a good and exciting basketball season where you're not really expecting anything, you're not ex certainly not expecting this team to make the NCAA tournament, you're not even expecting them to make the NIT, but you just want to see what they have. I said it's sort of like the mid-process Sixers, where if you're an NBA fan, you see the team and you see what they're going for, you see them putting the parts together, and you see them growing, and any win is thrilling because you're not expecting it. And so when you have a great performance, when you have a, a great victory, it's just really thrilling because you're not at that point where you're expecting wins, where you think the team 
deserves wins. No, you just want to take what you can get. You want to get a handful of wins. It was like that to some extent last year, but this year I think they're going to be better, and I think they're going to find more of those wins. And even if they don't make the NCAA tournament or the NIT, I think this should be a really exciting year for Pitt basketball. But it was a perfect weekend. When I say it was literally perfect, football won, volleyball won twice, men's soccer won, women's soccer won, Pitt basketball landed a huge recruit. They were undefeated on the weekend. There has not been a better weekend to be a Panther when you talk about across the board. And so for Panther of the Week, I really don't have an option because the person who has orchestrated all of this, the puppeteer, if you will, is the birthday woman herself, Heather Like. It was her birthday, I believe, a day or two ago, and what you could not ask for a better birthday present. She has hired these coaches. Now, some were there before she got here. Pat Narduzzi was there before she got here, Jay Vitovich, Dan Fisher. But she's hired some of these coaches. She's hired Jeff Capel, hired Randy Waldrum, and she's kept the other coaches happy. Dan Fisher could have jumped to another program that has more money, that has more history with volleyball success. Pat Narduzzi could have maybe taken another program, or a, uh, an AD might have gotten scared and fired him after the five-win season. Uh, you know, a lot of things could happen. And she has managed to assemble all of this and put these programs in a position to succeed. She's kept the good coaches happy. She has brought in new coaches who have been successful. She got a perfect weekend for her birthday weekend. And for that, Heather Like. She's done a phenomenal job as athletic director. She is without a doubt Panther of the Week for the perfect weekend. So that is it for this episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week after homecoming. Uh, it may be a day late. It may be you try to have these up on Monday, but I'll actually be going to the game, and I won't be getting back until late Sunday night, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to get it up on Monday. But if not, it'll be up on Tuesday. There'll be a lot to talk about, I'm certain. Um, and yeah, if you see me, somehow recognize me because this is an audio medium, uh, absolutely say hi. Uh, love to hear from, from all of you. And thank you so much for listening because I really do appreciate it. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, please rate us and please uh, subscribe to the podcast. And so that those downloads, they just pop up on your phone. You can listen to them every Monday or Tuesday or whenever the, the episodes come up please subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely helpful. And uh, and rate us and leave us uh, a review if you like it. And if you don't, then um, uh, pretend you never heard this. Again, thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. Feel free to let me know what you think. Also, keep checking out CardiacHill.com. It's a phenomenal site. Everything's on there. And uh, again, it's a really exciting time for Pitt Sports. Perfect weekend. Couldn't ask for more. Again, thank you for listening. I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.